This podcast is sponsored by ebookit.com, self-publishing solutions for the independent author and small press. Visit us today at ebookit.com. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast, the official podcast of Toastmasters International. Hello, everybody. This is Greg Gazin. And I'm Ryan Levesque. Ryan, every year we have the absolute pleasure of speaking to the incoming president of Toastmasters International, and this year is no different. Ryan, who is our special guest today? Our guest today is distinguished Toastmaster Mirag Matheson. She's the 2023 to 2024 international president of Toastmasters. She's Toastmasters' second ever international president from Europe and the first female international president from outside North America. A member for 17 years, Mirag is a member of three clubs. The Toastmasters magazine featured President Matheson in the September 2023 issue. Joining us from Morendorf, Bavaria, Germany, International President Mirag Matheson. Welcome to the Toastmasters podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much, Greg and Ryan. Great to be with you today. It's an absolute honor and a pleasure. And again, congratulations on the role of International President. It's always a unique opportunity. But this year, you have the additional distinction of presiding as Toastmasters celebrates its centennial year or centenary, as I believe you call it in the UK, a hundred years. How does that feel? Honestly, it's something I could never have imagined. It is a real moment in history when we think about coming up to that 100th anniversary and being the president who launches that whole year of celebration of everything that we've been able to achieve in the last hundred years and everything that we look forward to in the future. It's also a really significant moment when we think that it's 50 years ago since women were admitted to membership to think that as a female president, who would actually be presiding at this time? These are things I could never have imagined, but are certainly moments in history for the organization. There's no little added pressure there. (laughs) (laughs) There's added honor there, I would say, rather than added pressure to be given this opportunity by the organization. Well said, Madam President. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's time to address the elephant in the room. I can imagine some of our listeners are thinking, wait a second, they just introduced President Matheson as hailing from Bavaria, Germany. And that sounds unusually like a Scottish accent (laughs) that's coming through my earbuds right now. So can you please enlighten our listeners on your background? Yes, I'm happy to. You're right. The accent is definitely a giveaway. I was born in central Scotland a long time ago. Won't say how long ago. Grew up there, studied there went to university in Scotland, met my husband in Scotland, and then afterwards lived in different parts of the UK. So lived and worked both in Northern Ireland and in the south of England. My husband works for a German company and he was offered the opportunity to come here about 20 years ago. And initially I didn't come with him. I waited for a few years because we thought it might be a temporary situation. And I decided I would come for the last year of his delegation. And that was 17 years ago. 
So as you can see, we've certainly made our home here in Germany for the time being. You mentioned your husband, and I understand your meeting of him was intertwined with your leadership journey. Can you tell us about that part of your story, how you got involved with leadership, met your husband, and then found your way to Toastmasters? So I met my husband, actually, when I was involved in youth leadership back in my student days, when he was also a leader in some of the youth work that we were doing in Scotland at the time. And a large part of what we were doing was organising events for young people in the 18 to 25 age group. So a bit like a district conference, except you didn't have to sleep on a school hall floor, would be the difference (laughs) at a district conference. And it was through that we actually met. We were introduced, oddly enough, by an ex-girlfriend of his who decided that we probably needed to meet each other. And we knew very quickly that there was something special between us, although we waited until the end of our studies before we actually married and moved forward. And leadership has meant different things to each of us. And in fact, that's also been true in Toastmasters. We did join Toastmasters on the same day. Our membership numbers are one apart. I don't know if that's happened to any other couple in Toastmasters or if we are the only ones that that happened to, but it's a good story, at least. And mine comes first, just in case you wondered. (laughs) How did you find Toastmasters? My actual very first introduction to Toastmasters was while I was still living in the UK. I was studying for a master's in business, an MBA program. And we had a visit from a group of Toastmasters to present to us what Toastmasters was all about. And MBA students are a really great target, I think, for Toastmasters because you do so many different types of presentation as part of your studies and also as part of your work. So it's really important, I think, for for MBA students. And these Toastmasters came and presented And I thought, this is a great idea. I love this. But when I went back home, I couldn't find any clubs near where I was living or working. So I simply thought, good idea. Yeah, forget about that. And it was only when I relocated to Germany that a colleague of my husband said, we have this new group in town. They're really nice people who speak English. Maybe you'd like to come. And if you come on Wednesday, you'll get to hear me give a speech. So I was sold. I was new in town. I was looking to build a network of connections. I had just left a job as head of professional development for a large retail pharmacy chain. And it made sense for me to go and explore what this was all about. The club was only six weeks old when we went for that very first time. And I knew from the first meeting that I wanted to join. Wow. Almost serendipitous. Now, this year, you're the international president. I understand from the article that your husband is a club president. Are you going to be pulling rank on him all year? (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would dare to try pull rank on him. You know, I'm a believer that when you're in a leadership role, you have certain authority. So within the club context, he's the boss there. He is the club president there. And I am under his authority as a member of that club. So therefore, I have to to look at that. Doesn't mean I wouldn't challenge things if I thought things weren't right. But <laughs> of course, you know, I want to maintain the marriage as well as the relationships. So I'd have to be a little bit careful about how I did that. We are very different people, 
and he will lead in his own way. And I already love it. It's only been a few weeks into the Toastmasters year and I'm already loving how he's supporting his new officer team. The beautiful thing in leadership is that we are all different. To your point, Morag, different styles can be effective. There's no one mold for what a leader looks like, not just in Toastmasters, but anywhere. And some styles might be more effective in some situations than others. Absolutely. When I think back, when I was division director, my husband was actually one of my area directors. It's probably one of the few times we've been in that direct line relationship. Mm. And, and I could see where he was so different to the other area directors I had. And I knew the things that he would pay attention to and take care of and the things that would be his priority compared to others. And as a leader then, you know, learning how do I support his leadership so that he is successful, so the area is successful in all of that and that his club presidents and his club leadership teams get what they need from him in the right measure. And that also he learns because I think that's what also happens when we take up leadership is we learn more about ourselves. We learn what's comfortable and uncomfortable. We learn new skills sometimes. We suddenly discover things got easier than we ever thought they would be. And we also discover things that we think, I never want to do that again. That was too much for me or not the right place for me. And I think those are important lessons to learn as we go through leadership. Agreed. Speaking of things that might be uncomfortable, I was reading in your profile in the September 2023 issue of the Toastmaster magazine, part of your story referenced when you served as district governor in 2012 to 2013. You were in Germany, and the person who was in the role that we now call program quality director was in Portugal. I think for those of us from more geographically compact districts, we can hardly even imagine how a district trio could effectively work together from such a distance, especially prior to the proliferation of Zoom. How did that work? Was that uncomfortable being so far apart? How did you get over that hurdle? It was totally workable for us because it was our norm here in Europe. You know, as district director in Europe, I had 18 countries spread across the continent of Europe. Wow. But there was always going to be someone who wasn't close. And when you look at that challenge, for me, the, the answer lies in how will I do this? Not will I be able to do this, but how? I've been elected to lead this district. I have to make this work in some way. And as you say, we, don't, we didn't have the proliferation of tools like Zoom and others then that we do now. We did have Skype with all of its limitation mm -hmm. that, that was useful for us. You know, we had to make the most of opportunities. So when we met together as a trio, for example, for our training in August, for mid-year training, and then for our four district executive committee meetings during the year, we had to think about how will we maximise that time together? What is it we need to do that would be best done together rather than on a call? And the important thing is not to let the distance separate you any more than it has to. So my leadership team in that year, my admin manager was in Switzerland. My club growth director was in the center of Germany. My finance team were in the north of Germany. PR manager 
was in Switzerland at that time and, and moving to France later in the year. So we were a really spread out team, but we had those regular touch points of communication and we valued them and we knew how important it was. And we were committed as a team. You know, as you work through when you're making your district success plan and you think about those questions at the beginning of the success plan, some teams think, oh, no, we want to get to the big goals. Let's flip over all those pages and all those questions. Actually, those are some of the most important questions you will answer. The how will we communicate? How will we resolve problems between us? Because you can't just say, let's meet for lunch and talk this through when you're so far apart. So you have to really give some thoughts to how are we going to do this? Because we want to be successful. No one wants to be part of an unsuccessful team. No one really wants to have major conflict. People want to resolve conflict, move forward, make progress and feel good about the work that they do. Thinking about those issues ahead of time, I think is absolutely key to success. And it's that commitment to together we will succeed. We just have to find the way to do it for us. That's so true. So more after talking about thinking in advance, let's fast forward a decade. Please tell us a little bit about your vision for the upcoming year. One of the things that's really been in my mind as I've been thinking about this year has been a quote from a Greek philosopher, Heraclitus. And obviously he lived a very long time ago, but he has something to say that I think is so important for us. And what he said was that no man ever steps into the same river twice, where it's not the same river and he is not the same man. And I think that is the season that we are in in Toastmasters. We are coming out of a difficult time for the organisation. We're coming out of a difficult time for the world. So the world that we are coming into is not the same pre-pandemic world that we left behind. It is a different world. The world of work is different. How we have had to adapt and accommodate in Toastmasters is very different. How we are as people is different. During these last years, many of us have had to change careers. We've lost family and friends through it all. We live with different outlooks, different values, different approaches in life because of the things that we have experienced. For me, what that means is that the value of our programme is just as important today as it ever was. But we need to approach it with the learnings of the past, but with our understanding of today. So we have to learn organisationally and as individuals to deal with the change that is around us, to say, how do we still get that tremendous value from our programme? How do we adapt to the change that we are experiencing? And how do we make everything we're doing as relevant to the world as it is today and the world going forward as it ever was in the past? And that means becoming more adaptable and more open to change and to considering change. We've been through a very difficult time, I would say. And as we're emerging, we're beginning to see some shifts in things. So we're looking forward in this coming programme year to an updating, if you like, of our education programme as we modify our platform on which we are based and seeing that programme evolve for the future. 
So I think we're not in a season of radical change. And my vision is not to see that radical change. But my vision is to see that change evolve with us. But what I really have in my heart for the organisation is for each of us to rediscover in ourselves the power and the potential of Toastmasters for us individually, for our organisations, for our communities and for our world. And to never step away from the possibility of just how much of an impact Toastmasters can have on the whole world. And for us to believe in that and to not shy away from making the most of the opportunities that there are ahead of us to become stronger communicators, to become better leaders in whatever context we lead in the world, inside and outside of Toastmasters. Yet Toastmasters might really have an impact on the world today as we understand a new world in a new context. In the article, the situation is framed as, and I'll just read it verbatim, as almost like a psychological journey. The organization emerging from a precarious period, bruised but resilient, charting its future path. It almost reads like poetry, and I, I see where you're coming from. Yeah, that's exactly how I see things at the moment. Wow. Marag, you mentioned rediscovering the power of Toastmasters, and I wonder if that connects to something else that came up in your interview with the magazine. You talk about the need to rebuild confidence in what the organization has to offer. I'm also going to quote from your interview. You say, it is my job to reassure people that we can do this, and I believe that we can do this. Yeah. So, Morag, I have a two-part question. First, to be clear and to be frank, in what respects have you seen a drop in confidence among our members? And then secondly, how are you going to go about rebuilding that confidence? I think whenever we go through difficult times and we start to ask ourselves the question, can we? I, I think sometimes it comes from a place of whenever something doesn't work. You know, if everything is running well and we have a blip of some kind and we've had challenges, you know, as we put in the ERP system in the last year and all of the things that follow with that. And as we make lots of system changes through world headquarters in particular, if it's just one small thing or if we waited a day or two longer for a response to a question, than we might have done in the past. If it's only that one thing, I think people say, oh, that was okay. It, it'll be back to normal. But if we have more experiences or more challenges with that, then it gets more difficult. Then people start to question, uh-oh, is this still who we are, who we were? And it's difficult because we are connected, but yet we're apart. Social media builds a big connection, but not everyone is on social media. And so we don't necessarily hear the full flow of everyone's experience, of everyone's thoughts in all of that. And I think it is really important for people to know that we are looking after these things. We are paying attention to all of that because we want our members to have the best experience we can. But we also have to work hard as we transition out of all of the challenges and all of the changes that we've had to go through in this time and 
my assurance is that as well as being international president, I'm a member first. I want the best for my club, the same as everyone wants for their club. I want the newest member of my club, when they have an interaction somewhere to say, hey, this was great. I'm happy about that. I got the answer I needed or there was someone there to help me or I see how I can do that. Yeah, that's great. There's someone to support me and help me, whether that's in my club, in my district, whether it's at world headquarters. And I think it's really important to say that, that as a member first, we care about those things and we have them in our eye and we want to to make sure that we deliver the best we can for our members in the, the months and years ahead. I remember past international president, Mike Storkey, I think his tagline was, remember the member. And with that in mind, I'm I'm curious if we talk about members first, Obviously, you're the international president. You oversee all 14 regions and over 100 districts. What would be some advice that you would share with leaders at the club level to help them keep the membership moving, help them make sure that the members are always having that smile on their face? Earlier today, I was sharing with some members in the Middle East about the gift of membership, because I think membership is a gift. And I think when a new member joins a club, they come for a reason. They come because they see something in the club that they think will help them in their life somewhere. And that might be to get a relative off your back who thinks you should be in Toastmasters. (laughs) (laughs) It might also be because you want to improve your situation at work or just feel a bit more confident when you do something or for a special occasion. We know people come for all kinds of reasons. And I think for club leaders, it's to remember that everyone has their own why they came. And that gift of membership for each one of us is unique because we come for something different. No one comes to get better at doing Toastmasters. They come because they have something they want to achieve in their life beyond the world of Toastmasters. And the way I see Toastmasters is that that magic of transformation for an individual begins in the club. And as a club leader, you are the one who can make that possible for others. You create the framework where transformation can begin. You create those agendas where members can get to meet their goals. You create the standards in your club of how it's going to be, of whether members feel comfortable and safe in that environment. Are they being given evaluations that help them? Do they feel it's an environment where they can speak honestly and freely? That's important for all of us, that we have that safe environment in which we can practice. And I think so critically for all club leaders is, are we listening to our members so that we know what they need from us? And that we're doing our very best to work with them to deliver what they need for their own particular journey of transformation. And as we do that, that becomes part of ours. You know, we learn how to lead in those contexts and we begin to discover what we can do as leaders. I think that's one of the great things about leadership anywhere. It's not just the activity, it's the learning. If we are willing to pause and just think, how did that go? 
what did I learn? And sometimes we amaze ourselves at what we can actually do as leaders. We come for a reason, we transform, we stay for another reason, and then we remain for others. I, When I first joined, I came because of the communication. It's been transformational for me. Leadership was another component. Of course, Toastmasters is where leaders are made. And also now, one of the things I stay for is the camaraderie as well. So yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that's so true. You know, I've, I came to meet people, but I discovered that within Toastmasters, part of my drive and passion is to see people fulfill their potential. And I just see so many ways in which I can do that, whether that's as a speech evaluator for someone in a meeting, whether it's the vice president education setting an agenda that allows people to do that, or whether it's as a district director, when you can encourage other people and you see people in your district do things and you take that moment of leadership. And I think that's such an important part of leadership is to be able to say to people, I see you. I see what you're, you're doing. I see what, how you're growing. I see the contribution you're making, and I appreciate all of that in you. I just want to add that the other thing is, of course, is that you're compelled to give back after. Absolutely. Morag, this concept of seeing people seems to me tied to a phrase that you're known for saying, never close the circle. And I, I suspect that this is more than just a a nice phrase for you. It seems like it's something that's core to your leadership philosophy. Can you talk about that concept, never close the circle? Mm. Yeah, it's, it is something that is really important to me. There have been times in my life where I think, oh, that's it. We have the team we need. We're all done. This group is lovely and you're having a nice time, whether it's with a group of friends or whether it's in an organization. And suddenly you miss out on people because you closed the circle. And I think rather than having a group look inwards on itself all of the time is to think about, do we have an extra seat in the room for someone who might come? Someone that might just add something that's different to what the rest of us bring, that might enhance what we're about. There is an observation made in certain circles that if a room is more than 70% filled, people start to look and think there's no space for me here. And I think it's so important that people always see there is a space for me here. I think including people in what we do is a powerful thing. We talked today about diversity is our reality. There have been times when in my home club we've had people from 17 or 18 different nations. Diversity is our reality. Inclusion is our choice. And that's really a big part of this thing of never closing the circle so that there is always space for the extra one to come and for us to have that opportunity to include them in what we're doing, to help them discover themselves, to help them grow as we have grown. And for them to contribute to our learning, I sometimes think of clubs as communities of learners. That's a mutual thing. It's never a one-way street. I will always learn from others and they can learn from me too. And that's the joy and the beauty of that community. 
And it's the same thing with never closing the circle. There is always space for people to come. I'd never, ever want to say, oh, my club isn't accepting any new members. If the club is too big for the meeting room, we need a new meeting room. <laughs> if the club is too big to manage, we need to be thinking about how to create a new club from that club so that we never, ever turn anyone away. Four powerful words. Never close the circle. Morag, just to shift gears a little bit, tell us a little bit about your professional work outside of Toastmasters. So my background is in pharmacy. I registered as a pharmacist in the UK and worked there in what is called retail pharmacy, which is in the community there, and discovered this passion for learning and development and seeing people develop. And so moved then into the world of education and training in pharmacy and working on all different kinds of projects, working for the Royal Pharmaceutical Society, introducing the concept of continuing professional development for pharmacists in Scotland, and then working with the UK government in the development of additional roles for pharmacists as we introduced prescribing pharmacists, which were brand new in the UK, and introducing a whole load of different roles for pharmacy technicians. So spent a lot of my career, earlier career working in roles that were about changing my profession really. And then working for some large corporations in the world of professional development and education and training related mainly to clinical work or to leadership. And I had a huge passion in that. When I came to Germany, I carried on doing that work on a self-employed basis, but I also did other work. So I mentor MBA students for a university which feeds into that same passion of mine to see people develop and work as part of their career counselling service. But outside of that, I lead the child sponsorship charity Living Water Germany, and that's something I could never have imagined doing. You know, I talk about self growth and self-confidence being probably our biggest byproduct of everything we do, and that's certainly true for me. I couldn't have imagined working in a foreign land where I'd had to learn the language. I have had to learn the banking systems, the legal systems, how all of these organizations work and just couldn't have imagined doing that before. So this organization, we have sponsors here in Germany and we raise a lot of funds here for healthcare feeding and education programs for children in Albania and Guatemala. That's a really rewarding piece of work to do with other people and is a completely different part of life for me, but it brings a lot of diversity and interest into my world of work. Beautiful. Some other parts of life for you that I know are also passions that I'd like to invite you to talk about. As I was reading the interview, I'm thinking, oh man. Greg and I are going to get along just fine with Morag. <laughs> she <laughs> loves to read. She loves books. She's a writer. Can you tell us about that part of your life? Sure. I've always been a reader ever since I could read. My mother used to say that if there was nothing else, I would read the back of the cereal box. <laughs> that was her observation from a very young age. And I have probably over 3,000 books at home now. I love books. I will lend books to people, but I find it really hard to just 
get rid of books. It's it, it feels like <laughs> a terrible, terrible thing to do. Let's start a support group. <laughs> <laughs> I will read almost anything. There are very few books that I won't give a go at. But I, I do love books that build characters. And in particular, you know, I, I read quite a bit of fiction from all sorts of authors. I love mysteries that take you on plot twists backwards and forwards. But I also love reading nonfiction too. And I have a lot of leadership books in particular that I'm interested in. I'm actually rereading some things at the moment. And these are some of the books by John Adair, who is a leadership writer whose work really speaks to me and speaks a lot about my own personal philosophies in leadership. So it's been a good time to go back and reread some of his work and think about, do I still agree with all of that? And where am I today with it? I understand that you took your cuddly black rescue dog to a conference. Can you share a little bit with us about that? Yes, I can. She's a rescue dog that came from the country of Romania to Germany. She was about six months old and district conference was coming up and we were learning to build trust with her. So we didn't want to leave her with anyone while we went to district conference and the hotel allowed dogs. So we took the dog with us and she had her first ever experience of meeting an international president and that was past international president Jim Kokochi at the event. She was a little bit mystified about all of these people. And so we left her in our bedroom during the district council meeting. I was the parliamentarian for the council meeting that day and was on stage and was looking to see where my husband was in the room as he was a member of council and I couldn't see him. And then he emerged through the back doors and he caught my eye from the very back of the room he reached into the inside pocket of his jacket and he pulled out, I don't know, 20, 40, 50 small pieces of card. These were his voting cards for the council meeting, which by mistake he'd left on top of the bed and the dog thought they were really, really interesting. So she had clearly decided that he was not voting in the council meeting that <laughs> with all of these little pieces of card shoot. It did make me smile, but it's not something he ever repeated again. And she's learned, she's grown now. She doesn't chew card anymore. She doesn't interfere with elections anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Are they still using the paper? Is it all electronic now? Well, it's all electronic now because I think all of our council meetings since then really have gone online. Most of them have gone online. And so it's all electronic now. Also, the dog has never been to another district conference. <laughs> Coincidentally. <laughs> so folks, if you wonder what goes on at conferences, there you have it, <laughs> amongst other things. Wow. Just this has been a series of golden nuggets. And folks, if you've enjoyed this episode as much as we have, I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and family. You can find the Toastmasters podcast at toastmasterspodcast.com, toastmasters.org. Google, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere you get your podcasts. And folks, also an added reminder to check out the full feature in the September 2023 of the Toastmaster magazine. Ryan? President Morag, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for answering the call to leadership. And before we let you go, I'd love to give you the last word. Take us home. What would you like to say 
to the listening audience of Toastmasters and non-Toastmasters around the world. I'd love to say thank you to you for having me on the podcast today. It is a real opportunity to share thoughts with people inside and outside of Toastmasters. And what I'd like to say is, if you've never given Toastmasters a try, then please try, because you never know the transformation that's waiting for you when you step into that meeting room, whether it's a virtual meeting room or whether it's a physical meeting room. If you've been a member for a long time, remember your journey of transformation and think about what is the next step in that journey for you. There is always something new to learn, something new to discover about yourself and others. Make the next meeting the one where you begin to ask that question of what's next for me and what will my next positive step be here? Thank you for everything that you do in Toastmasters and for your interest in the organisation. It is my honour and privilege to serve as the international president this year. And I look forward to connecting with you at some time over the coming months. Madam International President Morag Matheson, it's been an absolute pleasure and an honour. Thank you. Ever imagined a book written just for you? Introducing Pooks.ai. We're not just another bookstore. We're the future of reading. Our state-of-the-art AI adapts each book to your specific needs, creating a personalized masterpiece. Visit Pooks.ai now. That's P-O-O-K-S dot A-I. And use the promotion code SPOTIFY for a whopping 50% off. Pooks.ai. Your personalized book awaits.